<laughs> thank you, thank you. You know, uh, we were praying beforehand, and uh, a couple of things that were prayed was that God was wanting to lift burdens and bring peace and joy. If you experienced any of that during the worship time, would you just raise your hand for a moment? Just put it up real high. Wonderful. Take a look around. I love it when God's at work. He does what he says he's going to do. And sometimes it doesn't happen right here. It just happens where we are. So that's fantastic. You know, thanks, Matt, and the team. They're fantastic in in leading us in worship. We have a a wonderful team of volunteers that help uh, every week. Uh, It's just amazing. I want to just take a moment and actually acknowledge Lance. He doesn't know this, but uh, he's a man who's, who's very uh, mature in God, uh, hears his voice, uh, is involved in all kinds of ministry, yet he's still on the roster to help set up. He's got a servant heart. And to me, <clears throat> that's Christ-like. So I want to affirm Lance, but I also want to say, you want to learn what it is to be Christ-like, there's a whole lot of very mature people in this church that you can emulate and that you can follow as they follow Jesus. Okay, enough of that mushy stuff. <laughs> well done, Lance, thank you. And all, all of you who help. I mean, he's just representative of a whole group of people who do a wonderful job. You know, just uh, before I get into what I want to share today, let me just give you a little bit of a background, a bigger picture of what we aim to do. And so our desire, my desire, is to equip all of us as saints to partner with God. In that, that gives us purpose, fulfillment, adventure, all those fun things, Uh, but We need to do that in every part of our life and walking with him and being in his presence and hearing his voice. Now, having said that, I need to make a little correction from last week. Right at the end of last week, I said something about if you don't know Jesus, you can't hear his voice. And while the reality is that you don't hear it regularly, God can speak to people who don't know him. And he does quite often. They often don't recognize it as him. I had a friend uh, years ago. uh, He's gone to be with the Lord now. But when he was young, he was a teenager. He was riding in a car with a whole bunch of friends. And he just felt he had to get out of the car. And uh, he did. And he got out of the car. And shortly down the road, the car was in an accident. And his family said to him, why'd you get out of the car? He said, I don't know. But his grandmother had been praying for him. And he didn't know that that was God speaking to him. But he responded anyway. So we were talking last week about uh, the privilege that God is with us and that he speaks to us, which is absolutely amazing. But today I want to just touch on some hindrances to intimacy with God and hearing his voice. Didn't have enough time to get through it all last week. But the greatest privilege we have is his presence and hearing his voice. 
But there are hindrances. There are things that stop us from hearing what he's saying. Let's pray. You're waiting for me to pray, aren't you? (laughs) Why don't you pray? Are you expecting God to speak to you today? Lord, we expect you to speak to us by your spirit. We're dependent on you. As we fix our eyes on you, there's something of you conforming us to your image. And we say, Lord, do that a little bit more today. A little bit of correction, a little bit of forming, a little bit of understanding. One of the prophets prayed, and all you're getting, get understanding. Lord, we want to understand, but we also want to have that intimacy. And so our heart's desire is that we grow in intimacy with you. And that we're better able to hear your voice. Amen. Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 14. I'm going to hit one of those uh, difficult portions of Scripture. From verse 3, it says, Son of man, these men have set up their idols, <coughs> pardon me, in their hearts and put before them that which causes them to stumble into iniquity. Should I let myself be inquired of at all by them? Therefore speak to them and say to them, thus says the Lord God, everyone of the house of Israel who sets up his idol in his heart and puts before him what causes him to stumble into iniquity and then comes to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him according to the multitude of his idols. That I may seize the house of Israel by the heart because they are all estranged from me by their idols. Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord, repent, Turn away from your idols and turn your face away from all your abominations. For anyone of the house of Israel or of the strangers who dwell in the land who separates himself from me and sets up his idols in his heart and puts before him what causes him to stumble into iniquity, then comes to a prophet to inquire of him concerning me. I, the Lord, will answer him by myself. I will set my face against that man and make him a sign and a proverb, and I will cut him off from the midst of my people. And all then you shall know that I am the Lord. Sounds pretty heavy duty, huh? Now, we don't actually serve idols for the most part, but what he's saying is that there's things that we can allow to take root or take place in our heart, our desires above his, that actually hinder us from hearing God. We hear according to what we want to hear. According to our idols. A number of years ago, I was counseling with a young couple that had come to me. They are having problems in the relationship. And just one of those word of knowledge things, I said, hey, have you guys been sleeping together? They said, yeah. They said, uh, You know, we prayed about it, and God said it was okay. I said, you do realize that wasn't God. That was your own heart. And obviously, the result was difficulties in the relationship. 
sometimes we have something as, as a desire in our hearts so much that we compromise. It's one thing to ignore God and follow sin, but it's another thing to convince ourselves that God is condoning it. Maybe someone is so desperate for love and acceptance that we compromise with the world. Our friends are all doing drugs, so I'm going to try it. Or they're all drinking and getting drunk, so I'm going to try it. Irregardless of what God's word says, that's one thing. But it's another thing to say, now God said it was okay. We're actually just deceiving ourselves. For some, that idol might be wealth or the comfort or security that wealth brings. A number of years ago, Mary and I were in South Africa. I was preaching at a church there. And the night before, God gave me a dream uh, of this church. Doesn't often do that. Mary gets a lot of dreams. She's much more the creative side. And God has realized that if he's going to speak creative things, someone like Mary or Lucy are the people to speak it to. If he wants to speak math and science stuff, I'm the guy. But the creative stuff, I just, my, my brain doesn't go that way. And so he finds people who can hear that language. But this night he gave me a dream and I saw myself in this church, in the front of the church, and standing with the pastor and a, a man that, that was there. But the people had left and I was sharing something that God was saying of this man about business opportunity that God was giving him that would release huge amount of resources. And uh, there was a number of other things God said for this church, and, and after the service, there was a ministry time. And then it finished, but I had shared this, that, that picture I had, and nobody responded. But after we were finished in the ministry time, as people were leaving, the pastor goes and he grabs a guy who's out in the kids' ministry and brings him in. And uh, this guy's in a business situation, and this is speaking exactly to him. And I said, this is what God showed me in this dream, that he's opening up a business opportunity for you where you'll actually be able to give 90% of your income and live on 10%. And he immediately said to me, 70-30. <laughs> I didn't respond. I had no idea this, this circumstance or situation. All I know is that God had, out of the blue, given me a dream that actually fit this guy's situation. A couple years later, I asked the pastor, how did that ever go? He said, he's still waiting. God was speaking something to him, but the idol in his heart meant he only heard what he wanted to hear. How often do we get into business and we think that God wants me wealthy rather than generous? See, when we have idols in our heart, we hear what we want to hear. And we try and convince ourselves. Jesus talks at one point in Luke about faithfulness with money and the next scripture 
the Pharisees asked him, and he said, knowing that, he said, you are, they were lovers of money, but you who justify yourself. They justified their love of money. This wasn't about money this morning. Sorry, I've gotten off track. But uh, so one of the hindrances to growing in intimacy is that if we have idols in our heart, then we only want God to speak the things we, we want to hear. Take a moment. Bow your head. <clears throat> I'm not going to tell you if you have an idol. The Holy Spirit does. You probably already know if in, as I preach this, God's just brought stuff to you. This is not a time for introspection. It's just simply a time of saying, God, I want to hear your voice. Do you, we prayed that. Lord, are you speaking something of adjustment to me? If he is, respond right now. Amen. Hinders number two is that we sometimes put boundaries around on where God speaks. We put boundaries, often a subconscious thing. Uh, someone has called it the secular, sacred divide. That we have this idea. How often do you see in movies someone has to go into a church to pray? That that begins to impact us subconsciously. That God inhabits a certain place. Our culture talks about the separation of church and state, and that begins to impact us so that we come out with this idea that some things are spiritual and some things are natural. Most of us would expect to experience God's presence and hear his voice when we go to church and gather. In fact, church that I was part of many, many years ago had built a building and they called it the sanctuary. Which means what? The dwelling place. That's what sanctuary means. They're basically saying this is where God dwells. And so we come to church to meet with God rather than God with us all the time. Though many people expect to meet God when they come to church, then they approach the rest of the week in the natural. Especially work and business. We have this idea that God can speak to us around spiritual things, but when it comes to work, it all comes down to my experience, my education, the natural things, rather than actually enjoying God's presence there. We just don't expect God to speak to us in that arena. It's almost as if in our subconscious we have to create the right atmosphere for God to speak. The right atmosphere after 30 minutes of worship, then maybe we can hear. And how often do you have a situation where you're at work and someone's sharing something and you say, well, stop, stop. 
I got to go worship for 30 minutes. <laughs> and we got to create an atmosphere of faith. And then maybe God can speak. No, we just don't expect that at all, for the most part. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, one little line that says, pray without ceasing. That's the whole verse. Pray without ceasing. Pretty difficult if you think you have to go to a building to pray. What's more is that we know that prayer is not a monologue. It's a dialogue. So if God wants us to pray without ceasing, then he wants us to be in a place constantly where we can interact with him. There's no place where he isn't. Psalm 139, verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? It almost says that God's after you. Just the opposite of you have to come to church to meet with God. You can't actually get away from him. Think about that. There's no place that he doesn't want to speak to us. The reality is, almost all of us spend 97% of our time not in church. So what are we doing if we allow the, the idea that God exists in a place and the rest of our life is in the natural, we actually separate ourselves from the presence of God 97% of the time. And we think we have to approach those things in our own strength and ability. I want to steal a phrase from Matthew 20, verse 3. He went out about third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. I want to steal a phrase, idle in the marketplace. Not idle from the standpoint of not working, but idle from the standpoint of not listening. How, many, how much of the church stands idle in the marketplace from a kingdom perspective? Yeah, think about it. We can't get anywhere. We can't go anywhere away from his presence. God's pursuing us. Even where we work. Even where we do business. Even in our family. Even in our school. Even in our sports teams. I played a, a number of sports when I was younger. Uh, majored primarily in tennis and basketball. But I have to admit that I had a secular sacred divide when it came to sports because I had a bad temper. And I would get often in a number of conflicts. That's a, that's a generic way of saying I just actually got in fights. And... Uh, God began to deal with that, but the, the last place that my temper still 
expressed itself was on the basketball court. And it took a while for God to, to deal with something because I basically had separated Jesus from that. Jesus stops at the sideline of the basketball court. He doesn't come out there with me. There is one place. Yeah. The other side of the coin is I broke about 12 bones doing all that. Uh, not in fighting. <laughs> Though only some of that. So if God wants to speak to us in every area, and I'm going to call the marketplace everything that's not when we gather together as church, okay? Just for, for the sake of, of this sermon. Okay, if God wants to speak to us, not only when we gather together, but in the marketplace, what does he speak? What can you expect God to speak to you in the marketplace? I think one of the things you can expect him to speak to you is care for others. God is just love. And he still is, even in the marketplace. Sometimes he'll ask you to pray for someone. And the reality is you might be the only person that ever prays for them in their whole life. And God knows more than we do. He might ask us to share hope, give us a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom, something like that. More than that, he might just give us a different perspective. We get angry and God begins to show us the circumstance in someone's heart and how we can see them, how he sees them. I was overwhelmed this morning again, and I'm getting ahead of myself because this will be next week, just with how much God loves us, how much God loves me, but how much he loves you, but how much he loves the guy I passed on the street corner as I was coming here. And I was overwhelmed that God has a different perspective. And if we're going to represent him, we've got to hear his voice. Hear his heart. We sang it. Fill, me, fill my heart with your love. So I said a few weeks back, we're the shepherds of the city. You're the shepherds representing him in the sphere of influence he's given you. And that changes how we look at people. Changes how we see people. Changes how we hear God. So he speaks to us of his care and love for people, but he can also speak into our work. A number of years ago, a friend of mine, Grant, uh, we lived in South Africa. He was a mechanic, and he told me a story. He was working on a carburetor. This is like quite a few years ago where they had carburetors. He was working on this carburetor, and he couldn't get it to work right. Had torn it all apart and rebuilt it. And in his frustration, he began to, to pray. He said, God, I need help. Show me how to fix this. And immediately he had a picture of a little spring in the carburetor, and he discounted it because he knew he had, had put that spring back in place. And so he tried something else, and he tried something else, and it didn't work, and he prayed again, God, I need help. Help me with this. And he had a picture of the spring. And he went, I know it's there, but 
what I'm trying isn't working. So took the whole thing apart. And yes, he had put the spring in, but the spring was actually broken. And so he pulled it out and put a new one in, put it all back together, and it worked fine. Does God care about our work? See, God can speak wisdom for solving problems in our work. He can speak protection for us. All of a sudden, get out of the car. Don't walk under that bin or something. Ladder. But you might be looking to hire someone and God just gives you a check. And all of a sudden you know, hey. Or strategy. How often are we strategizing of where we're going with our work, our business, and we don't even include God in it? We are connected to the greatest mind in the universe filled with his spirit, and when we uh, submit to this secular, sacred divide, we have a whole part of our life on our own. That doesn't mean that you're going to do a bad job on your own. It just simply means you're handicapped that you don't need to be. It simply means if you break that divide down and enjoy his presence and walk with him, amazing what he can do. Amazing the insight I have a friend who's been the uh, last few years really pursuing that arena in business. The Holy Spirit breaking in and he calls it actually invading the marketplace. But they've seen incredible breakthroughs, not only in his business, but he's now a consultant for other businesses. You know what his consulting is? It's simply listening to the Holy Spirit. He had a, an opportunity. He said, I sat down across the table from a billionaire. And he said, this man is going to meet Jesus with my face on today. What was he saying? I don't have anything to tell this guy. But God can if he wants to. And I'm open for that. Released him with something. Releasing New technology, new ideas, problem solving. We limit God so much by saying, in this arena, I don't expect him to speak. Raises the question, though, does God really care about the marketplace? Does he care about my work? Does he care about my business? Which leads us to the third hindrance, which we're going to cover next week. I'll tell you what it is. We have a wrong image of how much God really loves us and wants to be with us. The whole focus of the Bible is God pursuing us for relationship. Would you bow your head?
We did this earlier, but I want to just give you a, a moment again. In all this, is there any idols that you've set up in your heart? Because that's what the word says. They've set up idols in their own heart. No one else can set up an idol in your heart. If you've set up an idol and the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, will you, one, be honest with God? Realize he can be trusted. He's not trying to take the most valuable thing or important thing to you away. He's actually saying, will you trust me that I know what's best for you? And if that's the case, if you've set up an idol, you're the only one who can remove it. You have authority to tear that down. And you need to actually do that. And say, God, right now I tear that down and remove it from my heart. Don't argue with God. Don't try and justify. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you, just respond in faith, in trust. It's so easy for us to begin to say, oh, no, 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 that's not me. No, I'm sure that that's a problem for someone else. God's, God's speaking to me about someone else. He's speaking to me about the person next to me. Let me tell you, God's not speaking to you about the person next to you. He's speaking to the person next to you about them. He only speaks to you about you. I was praying last night and saying, God, do you want to give me words of knowledge about those things for people? And he, I actually felt he said no. I felt he said, I'll speak to him. The other application is if you've allowed boundaries to creep in, even subconsciously, Again, will you just tear that down? If somehow you've put a border around where God can speak or how God can speak, in what arena? And maybe it wasn't a conscious choice. You didn't say, God can't speak in my workplace or in my school or in my home. He speaks to me when I go to church or to a, a discipleship group or something. Would you just remove that? Just admit it and remove it. And say, God, I want you in every area of my life. The thing is, sometimes we don't know. Sometimes it's subconscious and we're not aware. But the Holy Spirit knows. And he can bring some adjustment One last story, and then we'll close. Mini, mini. Oh, you can open your eyes for right now. Sorry, I told you to close your eyes. 
respond to God. But many, many years ago, Mary and I lived in an island in the Pacific. And uh, I was getting ready to teach a group of people on something that I called affirmation, just affirming people, which virtually what I did with, with Lance earlier. Affirmation. And in the midst of this preparation, scriptures and everything, the Holy Spirit broke in and, and began to speak to me. And he said, Russ, why don't you ever let me affirm you? And what happened in that phrase was like a whole room opened in, in my understanding. That's all I can imagine, as if that door opened and there was a whole other room I didn't even know was there. I didn't even know there was a door. And what he began to show me was my relationship with my dad was such that my dad, I knew he loved me, but he worked two, sometimes three jobs. And he had time for me when he wanted to give me direction, something I should do, or correction, which usually was a paddle, when I needed to be corrected. And so I subconsciously approach God from that same standpoint as a father when I come into his presence, I'm expecting to get direction or correction. I want to say there's some of you here. You have the same expectation. When I come to God's presence, he's going he's to tell me what I'm doing wrong and what I need to change. Sometimes he does, but let me tell you, a lot of time he just wants to tell you how much he loves you and how much you're doing right. He wants to affirm you. And that's what God spoke to me. Why don't you ever let me affirm you? And so I had put a subconscious boundary around what God could speak to me. You can speak to me correction. You can speak to me direction when I need it, major things in my life, not little things. I only approach God for major things. I figured I could make the decisions for the little things. So I actually had a little circle within my circle. Uh, and God just said, why don't you ever allow me to affirm you? So do you have boundaries? Not just places like work that you don't expect God to speak, but areas that you won't allow God to speak into or don't allow God to speak into. Take a moment, bow your head again. It's not more spiritual to bow your head. Just don't want you uh, distracted by other people. Just allow the Holy Spirit. Have, have you got boundaries? Now, this seems like it's become quite heavy. And the... the Goal wasn't heavy. The goal is that we're growing in intimacy with him and we're learning to walk in his presence and hear his voice in every area of our life. And that's our prayer. So God wants to deal with the hindrances. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you're the one who speaks. Thank you that you're the one who convicts uh, you're the one who brings revelation. Lord, we trust you.
we've placed our lives in your hands and we trust you. Not just for salvation, but for walking with you in your presence. Thank you that you want to be everywhere with us. There's no place we can go that your presence isn't there. There's no arena that you don't want to speak into in partnership with us. And Lord, we want to grow in that partnership. We want to walk in that place. And Lord, we expect that this week, from right now, that there'll be a new intimacy and a new ability to hear your voice in all areas of our life. And Lord, you're not limited to this morning in speaking to us, but you're not limited to this morning either in bringing us revelation of the places that we've limited you. And so we say, continue to lead us. We're a kingdom of priests. We have the privilege of walking in your presence and being a light to the world around us. Not because we're light, but because you're light in us. Your presence is what makes us different. Not just when we gather on Sunday. Lord, we're so grateful for your presence as we gather together. But throughout the week, everywhere we go, we get to carry your presence. Thank you, Holy One. We just stand humbled and amazed at what you've done as we've worshiped this morning, as you've touched us in your presence already. Lord, what a privilege that we can carry you wherever we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. There was something as we were worshiping about uh, just the power of his name. If you need someone to pray with you, if you're struggling still, whether it's heaviness or sickness or something, there'll be some people who'd love to pray with you. Uh, you can either come to the front or you can grab some people around you. We're a kingdom of priests. Again, God's not more present here in the front than he is where you are, seated right now. But sometimes there's a little bit more room. These chairs don't move, which is why we'll often call people to the front because it's just easier to gather around. We have some coffee and tea out here and uh, let's connect with one another and then just don't forget next week we're at 4.30 instead of 10 but if you want to come at 10 and then pray and get us, get us all warmed up except there'll be other people in here so you can't come in here you'll have to pray walk around the building I mean, you can pull a, a walk around Jericho thing you know uh, yeah, so uh, our setup teams will come about uh, 3 or 3.30. And so we, but, but we will be meeting at 4.30. Okay? Wonderful. Have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. And let's enjoy his presence.